0: are doing what we call editorial speed dating, which is a, a concept we're kind of uh, testing out tonight. We're going to see how it works and we might bring it back if it's uh, if it goes well. I'm Rebecca Scoble, head of audio and retail and lots of other things at Sparkler.
1: I am here with two of our lovely regulars.
2: Uh, I'm Leanne. I'm the head of prose and the managing editor at Sparkler.
1: I'm Aaliyah. I'm head of production at Sparkler. This is going
2: to go either really well or really horribly, so... <laughs> um strap in <laughs> uh this is definitely kind of an experimental format that we wanted to try but we were thinking a little bit about now that year four has has finished up and we're looking at sort of a year five and we have a kickstarter running right now and it's it's struggling a bit but i'm hoping we'll it'll push through in the end um so assuming that hopefully we have a year five one thing that we've been doing from the very early stages of sparkler is portfolio reviews because most of the well our content in the magazine is kind of a mix between open submissions and people we scout. But we were kind of scouting people for pitches before Sparkler was even a magazine, when we were just kind of a company looking for early content. And then eventually, of course, we've done several rounds of open submissions. And especially in the early rounds when the we didn't get as many and we had a little bit more time, we really enjoyed sending out the equivalent of a portfolio review. So if somebody was rejected, we kind of told them why, talking to them about the strengths and the uh, weaknesses of their story and or why it was well-suited to the format, et cetera, et cetera. And this is something that we've found, although it can be very hard to hear critique of your own work, uh, a lot of people find it very valuable. And of course, I mean, we're biased because we're editors, but we always thought that was really valuable if you can get sort of feedback on it. But it's really hard. So I want to open this by saying it is totally okay if – you get critique on a pitch or or on a work if you're you know you're already hired or you're already working with somebody, and you just take that day to cry and yell and throw things, <laughs> like that's totally fine. Professionals who have gone through this a billion times do that. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard because uh, a story is so personal, um, and it's for that reason that some people I think either don't want to work with an editor or quite frankly are kind of scared of working with an editor because they don't want to see their stuff torn apart. And I know that sometimes your emotional capacity to continue is so fraught. (laughs) It's so frail that if somebody says something negative, you're like, I'm just going to give up. But this is how generally, if you can kind of find a way to process that feeling and move on, this can be the way that you really polish your diamond and then you start getting outside ideas to help you with your magnum opus. And the best projects, the ones that have collaborative thinking on it, because two brains are always better than one. You get a law of diminishing returns. That's called the (laughs) too many cooks in the kitchen. But the process of making your story, which often starts alone, once you're ready to talk to somebody about it, that's when it kind of comes to life. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that process here using specific examples. So um, (laughs) Leah, because she is staff and is also very brave, has an idea for an original story that we're actually going to talk to her about in real time. We don't know much about this story. She just kind of.
0: Yeah, she had like a two sentence blurb she threw on the, <laughs> uh, you know, on the company chat. Yeah, in the company <laughs> chat.
2: Um, So we don't really know much about it. So we're going to do that a little bit later in the program, but she's going to kind of come to us and you, the listener, at the same time with this idea, and then we're all going to discuss kind of how what we think would make it into a really good story, kind of the way that we think it would do really well if it was constructed this way, you know, what we think the best elements of it are and stuff. So we hope that this podcast is going to give people ideas and how to break down their own stories, um, also how to give good criticism. Cause that's the other thing. A lot of the time people who are creators will have a friend or a spouse or, or, or even, you know, a buddy online or just Twitter at large mm. to kind of throw their ideas out and bounce, you know, bounce an idea around. But finding somebody who can give you good criticism is really hard. That's a really special relationship. Mm-hmm. Kind of a creative partner and editor.
0: Oh, yeah. And Leanne and I have been doing this since we were in ninth grade, I yeah. think. I was, I've been your uh, editor for that long. Yep. That's a long time. We're old.
2: Yeah. and <laughs> 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 yes, um, And a lot of the time, that's why you'll see kind of... <laughs> People would like take a bullet for their long-term editors because <laughs> these are like, <laughs> it's a combination of like somebody you've been working with for a long time, like a colleague, but they also have kind of first crack at this very intimate part of yourself, <laughs> which is the creative process.
0: And also just somebody being a good editor for one person does not mean they're a good editor for other people. Mm-hmm. Like I've gone on to other projects and I've kind of gotten in trouble for being a <laughs> uh, quote-unquote mean you're you're know. a little harsh. <laughs> She's our our resident hard ass. I'm a little harsh and I have to like for me coaching my critique in kind language is something I have to work at.
2: Yeah, cuz <laughs> that's and and that's kind of my point that we also want people to learn how to be a good critic or beta or partner to somebody else because that's not easy, you know, learning how to kind of focus on the good but not just blow smoke up somebody's ass, you know, like talk to them about the weaknesses, but in a kind of a constructive way. And honestly, like you can also, <laughs> if you're not really sure, if you'd be good, you know, you don't want to work with somebody and you don't have a partner yet, you can always kind of leave comments on fanfics. It's like kind of a good way to <laughs> test if, you're, if your criti- criticism is constructive, because if the author likes your your idea, they will usually write you back. And if they don't like your idea, they'll just ignore you. <laughs> so sometimes that's a good way to yeah, like...
0: I, I mean, my my... <sighs> Constructive criticism on fanfic, I feel, is a little bit of a well. I wouldn't not everybody
2: say wants it. Well, I wouldn't say like leaving. I mean, this is kind of a bigger question, so I don't want to go into this so much because like a lot of people on the internet say, do not just leave constructive criticism to somebody on the internet because you're a stranger; they don't know if it has any value. So, and they're mostly going to tune you out. And I don't disagree with that. However, I do think that there are cases where you can give constructive, positive criticism to a a writer. And then start a dialogue with them and move into it. But if it's constructive positivity, oh, that's yeah, something yeah. that really speaks to I mean, to when, I,
0: when I've when i reviewed a fic and I'll have like one sentence that's specific to this about how I really like how you wrote this character. And they like freak out. They and love, love that. It. Yeah,
2: yeah. Which I think we've talked about in another yeah. podcast about <laughs> specific, specific compliments, like focusing and stuff. That's really good about it And then you can move on To the weaknesses If you really think There's a weakness I mean you might not You might just be like I especially like How you do this Because that's your strength But anyway I mean your yeah, mileage may vary you know, A lot of people Have somebody in their life They like to talk to about Yeah their but ideas. I mean I
0: think it's just dif- It's different being a beta Versus being a rando On the internet
2: Yeah you know? But a lot of betas yeah. Start by being a rando On the internet And you just Be nice
0: Yeah like, my point friends. My point is that like Editorial is a relationship It's not like a hit and run You know
2: no, I totally agree. I'm just saying, if people want to be a beta and they don't know how and they don't have anybody in their community they can talk to, there are ways of doing that online. But again, this is kind of a bigger I mean, conversation we're getting, about. How we're to, getting off track. A little yeah, bit. yeah. Because mostly, if you're a stranger on the internet, you should be nice. Uh,
0: don't be a critic because people just mute you. I mute people I mean, all the time, <laughs> telling people be nice on the
1: internet. Like I know, it feels right? like just you know. <laughs> <laughs> if only, <laughs> if only. So I guess this will be kind of. A lesson on how to receive criticism, too? Yeah, I hope I so. I mean, hopefully it'll be a positive one from me because this is actually my first time getting editorial story <laughs> advice, too. Oh, my so, God. You're so brave. <laughs> I know, Leah. You're like... I'm, I'm s- super nervous. <laughs> but I'm also like, hey, you know, these t- these editors, they're really good at their jobs, and, like, so why not?
0: good attitude to have yeah seriously becca's gonna pull the hell out of her punches <laughs> i'm gonna try this is the thing whenever no, i do critique like- i have to i have to go back and edit it so i'm take out the words that say that they suck <laughs> come on <laughs> no i mean i'm not i don't go into things saying that things suck but i i'm very much of the of the mindset of if i'm uh, If we're doing something, and particularly if it's professional, you know, if it's for Sparkler, if it's for any kind of pro job, my job is to get in there, like, focus on the problems and figure out how to fix them. Yeah, yeah. And I've just found that depending on who I'm working with, some people, like, that approach is great. Yeah. They love that. Other people just they see this, like, giant block of criticism and they kind of freak out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, I mean, bro, I'll be totally honest. As a as an editor, my, my confidence has been shaken by one or two of these people where, you know, I thought I was doing good work and being helpful and all of a sudden it was just like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing through the grapevine that
1: someone's mad at me and I'm like, are we 12? I thought we were professionals here. You know, well, also, I, I, like, know you two and I know that you're not jerks to be jerks. I mean, like... <laughs> If I, if I get harsh criticism from you, I will know it's like for the story because like you're like serious story people. I think all of us at Sparkler art, so.
0: Oh God, yeah, we're serious story people. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not
2: jerks for jerks. We're jerks for reasons. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, I mean, you know, everybody's a
2: jerk sometimes. Well, you know, I, I don't I don't know if I've retweeted it yet on the Sparkler Twitter. Although I now it's reminding me to do so. Um, Denise Schroeder, who wrote. Before You Go actually just had a thread on this the other day talking about Lillian, our, our head comics editor. I wish she could be here today, but she's traveling at the moment. Um, when uh, she went to Lillian with the idea for the third Before You Go story and Lillian was like, I feel like you should kind of start from the drawing board, you know, go back to the drawing board a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and Denise was talking about how how difficult it was to hear that and how she like couldn't look at it for a week, you know, had to get, had to get all of her emotions out. She was really upset. And then she came back and kind of looked at that criticism, thought about it, and kind of did go back to the drawing board. I think the third Before You Go story is the strongest because it has a real message to it. Not that the others didn't, but this one I felt like was dealing with a lot of issues at once. Um And she ultimately, she's like, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I heard that. I'm glad I went through this process. <laughs> um But she was, you know, bravely admitted that she spent the day crying, mm-hmm. you know, and and this was the third before you go story. So she already had a publishing deal. She had already worked with Leanne on multiple stories. She already knew these characters. Blah blah blah. It's hard, you know, and and that's totally okay. There are days where I'm just like, "Fuck you, Rebecca. I'm not doing any of the things that you suggested." <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And we've been
2: doing this for twenty years. So oh
0: yeah, yeah. No, we got we've been in arguments occasionally because I was too mean, because Leanne was too mean, because you know.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, the thing is, like. An editorial, like a, a, the relationship between a writer and an editor, has to be kind of contentious. Because yeah, because you have bit. to go in there. And I mean, o- honestly, a part of part of uh, taking critique is sometimes arguing and mm-hmm. saying, "No, I think you're reading this wrong. I think that uh, there's a good reason for why I'm doing what I'm doing." But as the writer, you've got to be able to kind of verbalize that and right. and you know defend yourself basically. Because there are mm-hmm. definitely times when I've gone in and looked at Tokyo Demons and I've been like, "Ah, this is a mess. Why are you doing this? Blah blah blah." And uh, there is a reason for it that I just wasn't aware of or I was reading it wrong. And a lot of times the, the real solution is halfway between because the answer was, well, if I'm reading it this way and that's wrong, you need to clarify what you're actually saying. Right, exactly. Saying.
2: That the, the editor, that that's a failing of the writer, <laughs> that you're not getting your point across. Because <laughs> <laughs> the reader, the editor is also kind of, or the beta, whoever you're working with, mm-hmm. is the first audience member. Um, and a lot of the time they, they start with knowledge, pre-knowledge. So they're actually like, they're not even a pure reader. So if they're not getting something, then it's probably really hidden. Mm. <laughs> so we're going to start with a couple, um a couple of basics about the story construction process. So everybody kind of has their own thing. However you come up with an idea. I think that's a very subjective thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so however you come up with your own idea, you do you. <laughs> um, some people get it. They see a, a a movie or something and they get really inspired by some element of it. And it, you know, their their mind goes off on a track. Um, some people, they just they were inspired by something that happened in their their daily life that they wanted to replicate. Um, sometimes there are characters from an existing piece of work that are sort of their muse. They're starting to put together a fanfic, and then like, wait a minute, this has almost nothing to do with the original story. Maybe I'll make this original. There are like a million ways that people come up with, with their idea. So um, however you start, we're going to start with the assumption that you have an idea. However you, <laughs> however you came <laughs> yeah. up with that idea.
0: Personally, I get really inspired by structure, which is a kind of a weird thing, but I think it actually works really well. A lot of the time... I'll be reading a work of fiction and I'll be like, I really like this character dynamic. And then I'll kind of like, uh, you know, uh, use that as a basis for something or even like, uh, you know, just something that's being done in the format you want to work in. And you're like, oh, that works really well. And that's it's sort of an interesting way to uh, construct a story. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, that's, that's something that I'm not sure if other people get inspired with, but I always find structural things really inspiring. And then because it's so separate from the actual like obvious parts of a story it's a really good thing to take from other pieces of work Mm. you know because no one no one's gonna you know if you've got a character who's like you know basically harry potter living in harry potter world but his name (laughs) is like larry larry botter yeah you know uh, people are gonna call you on that but if you're like as they should (laughs) (laughs) but you know if you're like Oh well, I like the fact that the there are three main characters, and I like their dynamic, and I like the fact that it's this you know this big community kind of story where you know there there are adults and there are children, and they're all kind of in these relationships, and I like the rivalry between this character and this character, and I like the you know the the fake out with the uh, like you know uh, Neville Longbottom, and if he's the whatever. i don't, I read Harry Potter a long time ago. Sorry guys, <laughs> I'm probably offending Harry Potter fans horribly. <laughs> Dare <laughs> Uh But you know, i I personally I find that uh really, really inspiring. And uh I was just telling these guys before we started recording that um uh there's actually like a really direct correlation between awake and Homestuck mm. because I liked the bisexual love triangle so much in Homestuck and the uh the Alpha kids who show up way later. For people who don't know Homestuck, this is like nonsense because you have to read like a thousand weird-ass comic strips to get there. Mm. But, like, the two things that that Awake took from Homestuck were the kind of insular group of characters who kind of only get to interact with each other. So the idea of having something with this kind of, like, like uh, this cast of characters where they're all each other's only really emotional and and, uh, social support. Bottle drama. Which, yeah, the bottle drama, basically. And the fact that they're... I, I sort of realized in part through the the love triangle in that between uh Jake Dirk and uh Jane sorry <laughs> all those names uh how what a beautiful thing a bisexual love triangle is <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the sort of Janelle and Seb and Travis thing but they weren't really a love, love triangle so much but they all had had kind of you know several of them had had passed with each other and Mm -hmm. the the idea of, you know, this is very small bottle drama where you've only got like, you know, five friends in the entire world and two of them are exes and you're trying to get with one of them and how that's going to like really sort Mm. of screw things up. And and it's things like that because Mm. obviously no one's going to look at awake and homestuck and draw some kind of really excellent connection between those two. Mm. (laughs) But like, You know that dynamic was something that I personally found inspiring, and so I sort of put it into an entirely different story. You know, Mm. yeah. Anyways, that's that's an example of where you can find like a way that you can find uh, inspiration in things that is like you know because people a lot of times are sort of worried about oh am I too close to this am I am I uh," you know yeah that's a really good point you know but but something like that where you're just and I'd say that, you know, with Awake and with everything, you know, like like you take little bits of inspiration from everywhere because like, yeah. you know, one of the other big inspirations for Awake was an article about living in a submarine that I wish I could find again because it was fascinating. <laughs> and I, you know, the longer uh, time goes on, the more I forget about it. But just talking about how, you know, I remember this like image from from this story about how like there was an exercise machine, like a rowing machine that was like right next to these like like incredible equipment and you were always like worried you're going to hit your head because it was just such a small amount of space and how you could just hear through the walls and no one had any privacy and Mm. you know like obviously in awake they have a little bit more actual space because everyone's got their own room and stuff like that because that would just be straight up cruel (laughs) to not give people their own rooms in this situation but they also don't have like shore leave
2: yeah yeah Well, actually, we're going to go into Awake a little bit shortly because I think that's a... We'll we'll do the actual pitch for anybody who has not listened to Awake or doesn't know what Awake is. It was one of our launch titles in year one. We talk about it a lot on the podcast, but we'll kind of give an intro to people who are not familiar Sorry, I I kind of jumped ahead of myself No, 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 but but that ties directly into Mm -hmm. what we're talking about, that like there are different ways that you come up with ideas. Some people are inspired by other stuff. I know everybody's afraid they don't want to steal ideas they, they don't want to be a ripoff. but no art is created in a vacuum you're inspired by everything and like Rebecca you know just had a very good example of that that there was some dynamic from a piece of fiction that she really liked that she really was like oh I, I'm kind of thinking about this from a fictional perspective I'd like to write a story about that but it was really just the seed of an idea and you, you're going to get your seeds wherever you're going to get them what what you're really judged on is what your final result is and so that kind of on that note uh when you are constructing a story, and this is something that a lot of the time, you know, once you have your idea, if you're doing this alone or with a partner or or whatever the case, you need to think about it in the context of, I want to tell, I have this idea, I want to tell it in a story that is interesting. And I know this sounds like kind of a no-brainer, but (laughs) really got to get that across because we reviewed a lot of stuff (laughs) over the years. And there are so many people who have just like, a really great idea, such a good pitch. And then I read the story and I'm like, Oh my God, this is boring or confusing or just kind of like (laughs) off-putting, you know, or, or, or not believable or, you know, things like that. So one of the most important things that you have to think about in terms of making it interesting to a reader is you need a good beginning, a good ending and a good point to what you're doing. And that will kind of help guide the middle. <laughs> so, like, the beginning... We're not going to go too much into endings right now because I don't want to spoil the hell out of Awake or whatever Leah's working on. <laughs> um, but it kind of it leads into this thing, like, what is the point of your story? Um, because you should have a point. And even if the point is kind of like, this is an adventure, and at the end they beat the last guy, it should be about more than that. It might be about... You know, something very simple along those lines. This guy's learning how to be a hero. You know, like, he has to beat the last guy at the end. Great, so let's make it so at the beginning of the story, he doesn't, he, he there's no way he can beat the last guy because, I don't know, he's terrible at wielding his sword and it's a dragon that can only be killed by this particular sword. Better yet, he doesn't even have the sword yet, you know, like, <laughs> and also he's a baker. I, I don't know, like, <laughs> then he has all these things that he has to get over Maybe he doesn't want to be a hero. Maybe like I don't know. Maybe he's got some kind of insecurity problem. My personal favorite is kind of like a morality issue. I really love morality issues personally. Something somebody who's like, what if he's a thief baker? You know, like what what if he's like a <laughs> a thief baker? Just like a scam artist, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but he has to like kind of get over being that and, and rise to the challenge. Um or maybe it's maybe the big character arc and the point is not about the main character. Maybe it's about somebody else. Maybe it's about the world. Maybe it's a loss of innocence. There are all these kind of traditional story types that you can use as a way to kind of start. But there should be a reason why these things are happening. And not just because this is going to get you to
0: the end. Why should people care? <laughs> you know, I always... Uh, this is another thing where I kind, of, I kind of tend to frame this to myself as like... Like I tend to go into things with almost a couple of like bones to pick. Like a lot of the time <laughs> I know this kind of <laughs> That weird. is so you, sorry. Uh, yes, yes, yes. But like when I'm starting working on a story idea, it will be because usually it's because I've been looking at other fiction and I'm like, this is something I haven't seen done well enough yet. Yeah. And yeah, that's you know, perfectly valid. Yeah. Or just, you know, and, and I mean even like the character dynamic thing I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I want a story that's about two best friends and one of them's way older than the other, but they still love each other and there's no romance, even though they're both sort of, they could be sexually attracted to each other. Or like, you know, I feel like we need more, like, asexual main characters. Or Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know. Right. But,
2: and then, so you take that idea, and if if it's a bone to pick, that's perfectly fine. Some of us are very spiteful. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) About fiction. It's like, because I've definitely done that before. But, so when you say something like, I want two best friends who are never romantically involved in each other. And I want to have a story about them. So now you have to think about basically a character or plot arc that feeds into that, but has a message to it. So it could be sort of, if they they can't always start out, they can't start out being best friends forever. If that's supposed to be your end goal, maybe they start out, they're not very good friends. Maybe they have a falling out in the middle and they have to come back together again Mm at the end. Um, Maybe like maybe there's a situation that pushes them towards romance and they both decide they don't want to do it. And then they recognize that the, dynam- the dynamic of their friendship is not romantic. There are a lot of things that you can do that there's kind of an arc to it so that you're, you're telling a story that, that has a uh, conflict resolution like, climax, you know, they're the, all the parts of this, boy, I have not taken an English course in a long time, but you know, you have the beginning, you have the, the uh, you know, the ramp up, the, the climax, the denouement, yeah, and then the, the finale. <laughs> I'm just remembering the terms that yeah. I learned in,
0: like, yeah.
2: Well, because everybody thinks that climax means, like, the end, but it actually means the turning point. Denouement is kind of, like, after the climax, which is, like, the roll to the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it was, but like, the climax
0: very... is the point of no return. That's yeah, what they told yeah. us, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: And that's the other thing, too, you know, you have to have conflict, you have to have not even necessarily growth, because I think a very interesting story sometimes to be told, and I, I know you're not going to agree with me on this, but this is the kind of story that I like, where you have somebody that is, like, really great in some way, or, or you're like, oh, this person is really their shit together, and then you wait for them to fall apart, <laughs> and they don't ever that they're kind of like there's some they are a point of stability in a chaotic world i think that's a really interesting story if you do it well i think oh, yeah, you have I'm to have a lot of necessarily conflict around against you
0: that. i just personally have trouble relating characters who aren't kind of a mess no
2: no and I, I don't says something about me and no no not... <laughs> oh no no and i <laughs> don't i don't mean like you can't be a mess and also be a stable point like mm-hmm. you don't this character does not have to actually grow if that's not the point of the story they can be kind of things that change around them. You know what's a really great example of that is Urasawa's monster. And I'm not going to tell you how that manga, how that ends, but that's basically <laughs> about, the premise is a, a the best guy in the world who's this doctor. Dr. Ends Tenma. Up. Dr. Tenma's the greatest guy in the world and it, you can't not watch the beginning of this anime, if you watch the anime version, which I did, I know it's terrible, read the manga, and not laugh at Dr. Tenma who's like this goodness and light and he's the best doctor ever. And he ends up saving the life of a little boy who grows up to be a serial killer. And then his goal is I'm going to find that little boy and stop him because, uh, like, it's my responsibility. Kind of. It's a lot more complicated than that. But it's basically like, is Dr. Tenma as good as you think he is? And all the other million complicated things that were in that really remarkable story. But trying to see if you are as good as you think you are at the beginning, that's a great character arc. Seeing if you change. Seeing if the world changes you. So it doesn't always have to be the character or the relationship grows. There can be growth and conflict around them mm-hmm. or the lack of change can be the point of the story but it has to be the point
0: and oh yeah yeah <laughs> no i agree just, and i mean yeah. yeah there there are definitely i mean there's also you know i think about like like shonen and stuff mm-hmm. where the characters don't tend to be that deep but they can still be very sort of like iconically lovable mm-hmm. and uh you know well actually goku from dragon ball is a really
2: good example of that but He was uh, established very early on as being like, the most pure-hearted. That's it. He can ride the cloud. No one else can ride the cloud. (laughs) Oh, boy. It's been a long time since I've seen our Red Dragon Ball. (laughs) Um, But they're like, no, he is the goodness and light in this world. And that's kind of his thing. He doesn't have crisis of well You develop
0: by doing more push-ups and then beating bigger and worse bad guys. (laughs) Which, I mean, that's not like deep development, but it is still development. But it's kind of like the Superman thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's like
2: Superman is a good guy everything falls to hell and he is the the point of light in the darkness who's always there and the world changes around him and people learn things from him or they turn on him or whatever the case but at the end of the day he's still fucking superman and that's why a lot of people hate the new movies mm. that are trying to make him kind of like dark like what the fuck are you doing it's superman that's the entire point mm-hmm. he's not it's kind of like trying to say batman is a good guy they're foils the entire point is one of them is good and one of them is super dark and like that's their thing you know one of them is complicated and the other is not not at all so that you know try to think about it in terms of that i want this story to have a point like i want to put this into a context of a broader plot and then when i was kind of it's weird to be working backwards like this but you need to have a really good opening and i think that's kind of one of the hardest elements of actually, well, first of all, having a blank page <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you can to put anything down. That is incredibly hard. Even Stephen King is like, that's the hardest part is having that blank page. Not making the deadline, not, you know, revising. And it's just the blank page. <laughs> it's like, it never gets easier. <laughs> but having a good beginning is what's going to get your readers there. It's going to inspire you. And it's going to kind of like get the ball rolling. Just for everything. You know, you need to have that really good beginning. So don't be afraid to spend a long time thinking about the best way to open this. Also, if you do a bit, be- if you try to do a really good beginning and it's shit, it's okay to go back and change it later because sometimes you get a much better idea later on. But that beginning, so when I said earlier about you got to think about how the way this story is going to be interesting to other people, you need a good fucking beginning. Just and not too complicated and not too weird and
0: not, please, please, not 10 pages explaining the
2: details of your world that I really don't need to know unless I'm being quizzed. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something we that... We call that front-loading. <laughs> front-loading, yeah. Um, Whatever your story is, make people care kind of immediately or at the very least relate, you know? So, and this is stuff that, again, if you have somebody you can talk to it's good to kind of hash out these ideas. How am I going to start? Is the story going to start at the beginning of their journey? Am I going to do it in Medius Rest style, where it's like you're thrown in the middle of action? Please don't make it too confusing. I know I keep saying that, but that was a lot of the problems with a lot of the pitches. Not not just Sparkler, but I've been an editor for a very long time. <laughs> this is something I criticized about the Slayers novels, you know, when we worked on those. <laughs> but um, please don't just drop people in the middle of action for the sake of doing that. <laughs> Have a good reason why you're doing that etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, on that note, that's just kind of a general, you know, how are you gonna make this happen? Let's talk a little bit about how Awake was made. So do you want to do the first the the elevator pitch and then the medium that Awake is in?
0: Okay, um Awake is basically our first big audio drama. Uh the premise is that uh basically there's a uh uh Ship full of cryogenically frozen people who are going to colonize like a a far off planet, and the way that the ship sort of runs is that some of the passengers kind of bought their passage by, uh, agreeing to be part of the crew for a certain number of years. So it's sometimes like five years, ten years, whatever. Right. Um,
2: <clears throat> and the ship, the the journey is like a thousand years. That's why people are cryogenically frozen. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, it's about basically like you know people somebody will get unthawed and then do their five, ten years sometimes like 20 years if it's kind of messed up uh and then go back and there you know some people are are sort of buying passage for their kids or for their family members uh, and paying for it in those years of and work and paying, paying for it in years of work uh so that's that's kind of the overarching premise the cast of characters are six people and they each have kind of a job on the ship there's like a captain and a an engineer and a and a uh medic and uh, the poor guy who has to deal with like the waste management, mm-hmm. which is like a really big job. Yeah. The uh, poop smith. The poop smith. <laughs> poor poor Seb. His mm. life is a is a joke. Mm. Basically, that's that's the setup. It starts when a woman named Hina gets unfrozen. Uh, the story, story sort of follows her. She has she's traveling with basically her long term boyfriend, and he has a little girl. And through sort of like, you know, doing some research and stuff like that, she realizes that she's not sure he's going to be able to survive being unthawed. So she decides to sort of take his time and work the years for him.
2: Be unthawed on the ship, to be clear, because like, he'll, he'll survive being unthawed at the planet at the end, but... Like, going in and out of cryogenic freeze, she's like, he couldn't do his work and live. She was concerned about that, yeah.
0: Yeah, basically. And then, so, so, you know, there's a lot of sort of bottle drama things. She's dealing with, uh, there's a guy named Travis who was, like, a young uh, athlete who's basically one of those guys who's kind of, like, had everything go right in his life, had everything handed to him. He's, like, 19. And he, uh, during the unfreezing process, something went really wrong, and now his, his, like, half of his body is basically kind of like dead. It's, uh, you know, he's he walks with a limp and he can't really get around and he's incredibly angry about this because, you know, mm-hmm. this was sort of, he's he's just really not equipped to deal with, like, disability, disability basically. Like, pretty severe disability. Yeah. And uh,
2: disfigurement, too, because he was, like, handsome and, you know. Like, yeah.
0: Got kind of messed up.
2: Loss of privilege. <laughs> real hard, real fast.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the theme of his story. Mm-hmm.
2: So, and then amidst all this in the very first chapter, they end up finding an unidentified dead body. And now they have to find out who this person is, how they died, and when they died.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, because they died.
2: It, yeah, because it could have happened anytime time in the 600 the six hundred years the ship has been in there, mm-hmm. in, in space. Yeah, so.
0: sorry, you're doing the better elevator pitch than I, I am. <laughs> I haven't had to elevator pitch Awake in a long time. Yeah, awake,
2: awake is a slightly older project, but we like to use it as an example because it was one of our fully in house projects, although you developed it with Tori Wolcott. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, and this i think is yeah, very and she was involved in
0: the writing as well so yes, it's not she just was. it's not just an in-house project we've had kind of you know
2: that was originally supposed to be a comic right
0: well the way that it worked was that basically um
2: and remember it was inspired part of the things that inspired at least rebecca's part of the story because mm-hmm. it was a, col- a collaboration oh between yeah her and tori that becca was inspired by a story about a submarine and a bisexual love triangle and homestuck so <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i mean there were also kind of a lot of other inspirations and to be honest I, uh If I had to kind of divide it, and obviously this is like a very murky division, uh, Tori inspired more of the scientific side of it, like, you know, the technology and the sort of, you know, science fiction aspects of it. And I developed more of the relationships and the characters a little bit. And that's obviously, again, like, there was plenty of stuff, you know, about we were talking about buying years and and losing years in poker and, like, (laughs) you know, basically, like, time as currency was one of these concepts that we kind of, like, uh grasped onto really early. Hmm. Uh but anyways, the actual development was is kind of interesting. Um <clears throat> Tori had an artist friend who wanted to do a webcomic. And she was uh it was it was something where, you know, she she was not someone who felt that comfortable writing. She really wanted someone to work with her as a writer uh tori wanted to bring somebody else on board and thought the three of us would be really good at collaborating now unfortunately this comic really never got off the ground <laughs> but basically what this lead, this led to the, the planning of this comic was um tori and i just uh, we used to work together at the beguiling up in toronto the comic store and we went out to dinner a couple of times and just uh came up with a couple of pitches to give to this uh this artist friend of hers you know, so we had awake. We had another one that was more of a fantasy. We had a couple other things, uh, and then Tori was going to go to the artist and say, do you, "Which one of these do you want us to develop?" The artist chose a different one, so mm. she didn't actually choose awake. She was more interested in the the one of the fantasy ideas that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I can't even remember that much about that idea. Mm. Again, like unfortunately, that project was one of those things that, like, I think she got another job soon after that. So we just kind of ended up dropping it cause there wasn't really time. But at the same time, this was uh sparkler was specifically looking for audio content
2: and we had a oh. lot of people who were pitching us ideas that were clearly not made for audio. <laughs> mm. They were uh, things that wouldn't translate well. They were clearly just kind of either a prose story or a comic story that they hadn't really thought about the audio, the audio side of it, how this would work in audio things that had major magic battles in them Um stuff where it's like no that or action stories or whatever it's like no that, that's gonna be too difficult there are too many characters whatever um whereas rebecca and tori had been working on this project which was a bottle drama
0: yeah and to be honest and to be to be clear at this point all of these pitches that we'd come up together had been put aside for like a year like, yeah, yeah no one had even really thought of it mm-hmm. and then when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for our first audio drama uh we just we didn't really have anything that was going to work we weren't sure what to do and then i was like why don't I ask Tori if we can just use that, uh, the, the bottle drama, the, the mm-hmm. science fiction bottle drama. And at this point also, like, there were only like vague sketches of the characters, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, it had not really been planned. Uh, we'd been kind of going a little bit more in a, like, a sort of bigger science fiction direction, you know yeah. what I mean? Less of a, you know, cause wakes kind of a quiet, intimate story and you know original versions of awake had like other ships that people were talking to a little oh, wow. bit more characters i mean this was again like this is the planning yeah. phases we but were really just kind of going is,
2: yeah this is the idea phase mm-hmm. so once she decided okay this is the format that i think i want and you had to pitch it basically to sparkler but mm-hmm. um once she decided and this when we were talking earlier about now you kinda, kind of kind of You take the idea and now how are you going to make it so that the audience cares? Mm -hmm. Um, And you had an outline for sort of a story, didn't you?
0: You were kind of the the Yeah, the plot was there-ish. We knew that there was a murder mystery. (laughs) It took us a while to figure out, like, you know, like the thing about Awake is that the murder mystery is there, but it's not like one of these stories that's really zoomed in on the murder mystery.
2: Yeah, it was an kind element. of you know
0: there were there were relationship arcs between like Hina and Robbie, there were relationship arcs between Travis and Sev, there were relationship mm-hmm. arcs with Rosa. You know, like like there there was a lot of sort of information and and we had the basic gist of the fact that there was a murder mystery. It took us a while to figure out what the solution was to the murder mystery, yeah, yeah. and it took us a while to figure out sort of how it was going to end because the ending was something that. Uh, actually uh, i specifically had i was driving somewhere like like long distance by myself and i was just sort of thinking and i was like i just remember being like oh shit that's how it has to end isn't it you know yeah. i think we we're like gonna go visit lillian or something and like something like that it just kind of yeah. hit her which is great like we're not gonna spoil
2: the end of a wake but the ending is fantastic it's like the best part <laughs>
1: it <laughs> um, is it yeah. really is
2: <laughs> but and she didn't have that the drama was already running I thought. Wasn't it already going, maybe? We might have already... St-
0: eh. It was It was later in the planning phase, but I don't think yeah. it was actually done yet. We had a
2: couple different options for endings, I think, that we were considering. So at this point, when they wanted to do it for an audio drama, and so uh, this is kind of an essential part of any story, right? What format are you using? Mm. <laughs> Usually you have more of an idea going in than these guys did. I mean, they, they were planning for a comic. Um, but whatever format you're going to do, because a lot of people end up having to switch formats in the story that they're telling. And they'll find a different way to tell it. Like, they're like, oh, I wanted to do this comic. Oh, I don't have that much time. I'm going to try it as a prose. Oh, I don't like that. I'm going to do it as a game that I'm running with people. Uh, like, it's like, t- <laughs> now it's a tabletop game. Whatever the case is. And then you start thinking about the elements of that format. So in the case of Awake, the, the, the bottle drama thing was easy. Because it was just going to be people talking. It was going to have a couple important um, sounds that were specific to the spaceship and stuff. <laughs> but also, then she thought, okay there's an AI in the ship that's a like almost a character, you know, like the- yeah, it's the, pretty much a character. basically like future Ciri, um, <laughs> who's a, kind of an important part of how they interact with the ship. So we just made all of the commands audio. So it's like you say, well, it's, the name's Persephone, but it's like Persephone opened the door. So in that sense- it that that made it work as an audio drama, and that was a really important element to put into the story and this was something that especially in those early rounds we didn't people had not thought through that very much, like how are you going to get these points across an audio format so this was an essential part of kind of breaking it down to meeting the the audience halfway How are they going to understand what's going on if there's a sound of typing
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. like.
2: Or is it people going to be reading stuff out loud? It's going to be really awkward. So just do it all with an AI. And it's funny because now that's actually pretty common. People talk to Siri, they talk to Alexa, they talk to Cortana. But when we, when they were working on this, this was three, four years ago where voice activated AI was barely a thing. So, um, so now it feels way more now. Na- like that the it's like of course you would do that, but like 3 or 4 years ago I mean, that's we been a like, science
0: fiction trope for a long time. It has are been particularly but in like movies and stuff like that where they want to have the audio element to it, you know. Yeah, no,
2: I'm not saying it was a new idea or anything, but it, it's funny how quickly that idea would have come now and yeah. where it was a little bit more of a process like how are we going to get this across.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, but no, I mean it it led to some really really great moments because I mean, uh, one of the major themes of Awake, not to, you know, be spoiler or anything, but is like how much do we personify things that are not human? Yep, <laughs> you know, and so people get in arguments with the AI because I mean, how could you not when it's this really like you you know how computers are kind of dense, you know? other <laughs> well, they're computers, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, like like the whole idea, like just yeah. Have you ever wanted to kill? Have you ever wanted to kill Siri? Because
2: I certainly have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's worse when you know Siri is controlling you know your uh, mm-hmm. your life support. <laughs> right.
2: So at this point, like that's kind of how the like the, the beginning which as i said before is a really important part how are you going to get across this premise how are you going to make it interesting how and also perspective that's another thing you always have oh, to keep in mind what is the perspective of your story is it the, through the one person's point of view is it like limited third person is it first person where the person is saying i um is it omnipotent <laughs>
0: Uh, second person.
2: Second person, which is like you walk into the the,
0: the spaceship. <laughs> Again, I feel like I'm a Homestuck fan. That yeah. damn story was written in second person. And part of what I really liked about that story was the fact that it was telling, it was told in a way I'd never seen before. Yeah. And that was part of what made it so mm-hmm. interesting to me. Um, yeah.
2: Who's your main character and who's the perspective holder? They're not always the same thing. Yeah. Really good example of that is Ark Lad, <laughs> the anime, which is an anime from like 20 years ago. <laughs> Well see,
0: I was going to bring out, like, Wuthering Heights and stuff.
2: Well, yeah, there's that, too. But what I always liked about Ark the Lad was there's no Ark in it. <laughs> For, like, the first several episodes, they're talking about this guy, Ark the Lad, but it's about this kid who's like, I'm going to find Ark the Lad and I'm going to kill him. And, <laughs> like, Ark eventually shows up. Oh, yeah, I'm going
0: to that, like, Princess Mononoke, like, you know, she yeah, like, exactly. shows up with, like, blood dripping out of her face. Yeah, um,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> Great Gatsby.
2: Yeah, yep. there's like,
0: mm-hmm. plenty of things that are uh are really I just like always that. think
2: of Ark of the Lad because we watched that. We're like, who's Ark and where is he? <laughs> like, they almost didn't talk much yeah. about Ark the Lad other than, like, I don't know, there might have been a wanted poster and he's like, fuck that guy, and then moved on and, like...
0: <laughs> Nobody's seen Ark the Lad but us. Yeah, that's... Oh, I'm really <laughs> dating myself there.
2: It was an SNES game, I think, originally.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we sat around and played that, like... Yeah, we did. A lot.
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. So, uh, in this case... Your, so Hina was the main character in this. Um, The beginning of the story is her being thawed out of cryogenic, th- uh, brought out of cryogenic thaw, and then to make sure that she doesn't have brain damage, they ask her, like, who are you and why are you here? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, she was able to be like, oh, I'm on this ship going to this, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm pa- doing this many years in transport. And they're like, very good. Come meet your crew. So this kind of covered a lot of you know, a lot of ground without it being too exposition-y. Like, there was a reason why there was that much exposition in the story. She's being introduced to a, a cast of characters, but first she's kind of doing the premise in something that makes sense in the story. Oh, yeah. And I
0: mean, like, like having the new kid be your main character is so, so common. Sort of oh, framing yeah. a story around a new person, particularly things that are set in weird fantasy worlds or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's like an incredibly common trope. And, and you know, I think... uh uh Obviously don't like fall to that automatically, but it's it's no. really useful.
2: Yeah, I mean, every everything is kind of different, right? But in addition to that, that still feels a little bit dry. So one of the things that Rebecca and Tori had integrated was the very beginning of it. And this is why, what using the audio format, right? The very beginning of it is she's kind of half awake. And the listeners are hearing what sounds like foggy voices over a heart monitor. Like the heart monitor is kind of <laughs> is like beep beep, like somebody who's lying in a hospital bed and they're kind of hearing what people are saying around them. in the same way that some dramas will have like the, the the filter, you know, somebody in a hospital bed waking up. So, and it takes place over kind of a period of time. You can hear people coming in and out of the room and you're getting the first glimpses of what the characters are like or what their dynamics are like. You hear some of them are getting together and laughing. You hear some of them are arguing. One of them has really filthy language. One guy is, and this was the most important thing: that one boy was sitting over her alone and saying, "Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Robbie. Nice to meet you." Like practicing how he was going to say hello as soon as she woke up. So we were able to cram. And then he screws it up when she actually. Wakes yeah, and then up. she wakes up and is like, "Hi, my name is." I'll get everybody else. <laughs> so, the, and this was a way that, you know, in in Rebecca and Tori put together a very relatable opening scene where you get a little bit of glimpse of all these characters you get a background in a complicated world and then you get introduced to them after you've already kind of peeked on them a little bit. They thought that you weren't seeing them um, and that made it kind of like a little bit more engaging, a little bit more relatable, puts you in in the the role, you feel a little bit like you're more in the role of Hina. So that's an example of what I would say is a pretty good way to do a very complicated opening, but there are a lot of elements there, right? Like it took a while for them to develop sort of that this was how it's going to open, but it was important. Mm -hmm. Like, without doing that, it's like, who the fuck are these people? (laughs) Like, this is a complicated world. As you saw, it took a little while for Rebecca to do the pitch, because it's fairly complicated. Um, It is a a very good pitch. I think it's one of our better pitches in Sparkler. But it is has a lot of background. How are you going to get that across? So, uh, at that point, uh, we won't go too much into that, because I want to get to Leah's pitch, but it was also a serial. But we're actually going to do a separate podcast about how to write a serial. But the entirety of Awake is told over about, what, three and a half, four hours?
0: Yeah, it's it's close, it's four hours ish, I think.
2: Yeah, it's about the length of, like, two movies, mm-hmm. maybe, give or take.
0: It's like a um, miniseries.
2: Right, it's a miniseries. And that was always the intent of it, Um that it would have a, it has a very clear beginning, middle, and end. Like, that, that ending is unending. But it's also <laughs> open for more stories beyond it um, in the world, with some of, well, I don't want to spoil the ending, but like, <laughs> there's room for expansion. And that's another thing I think people need to keep in mind. Unless you're very experienced or you have a very, very good reason you're doing this. Do not try to do something humongous off the bat. It is much easier to break it down into smaller parts, not just so that you can finish something, but so the audience can kind of catch their breath. (laughs) That's what (laughs) chapter breaks are for. Again, I won't go too much into serialization, but you sort of don't be, even if the story is going to be an epic, that's going to take forever break it down <laughs> into something small into seasons into, into episodes into chapters whatever the case may be so that you can have sense of completion <laughs> before you know 10 years down the line because what the best thing that you want to have with an ending is something that ends but there's people still kind of want more either you're going to do more <laughs> like if you decide to do spin-offs or sequels or the audience then their mind goes crazy with possibilities and they go do a bunch of fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that might be because the ending was sudden, or it might be because you didn't fill out all the characters on purpose and now they want to go do their own sandbox with it. So you want something that feels complete, but I really like the, the sense of like that, that nagging sense of like, oh, I kind of want more though. And then you can expand it. So don't be afraid to do something smaller. It's usually way safer to do that. Epics are very, very hard. Most people can't do that.
0: This is the woman who wrote like a bazillion words of Tokyo Demons. There's a
2: reason why it's broken down into books and series yeah. and stuff for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. So before we put Leah in the hot seat, once again, this is kind of experimental. <laughs> <laughs> but if this goes well and people like it, we're willing to talk to other people if they want to come on, if some of our creators or even if people submit pitches
0: <laughs> yeah. to be dissected live. We'll see
1: we'll see. We're going to kind of see
2: how it goes. So this is a, a test with Brave Brave Leah. <laughs> You ready to give us your idea?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> do I like push. to out now? <laughs> <laughs> Being recorded. So how should we do this? So tell us your, your premise. Okay. My premise is I wrote it down because, you know, it's easier that way. Mm-hmm. Do I give you a title or just a premise? No, just premise for now. Okay. So... The premise I have written down is a woman starts cleaning her family's rundown ancestral home so they can sell it, but she ends up awakening her family's long-forgotten guardian spirit. That's Uh, really cute. Yeah, that is really cute. Uh, So...
0: What kind of story is it? Is it a comedy? Is it like a slice of life? Is it a adventure story? Like, because I mean, that can spin off in a lot of different ways, depending on what that spirit is and wants. Mm -hmm.
1: I was thinking it would be a slice of life and a fantasy. Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: What kind of spirit is it?
1: Okay. So I was thinking it would be a really powerful, like sort of on par with a deity, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it is bound to her family's um, ancestral lands. Mm -hmm. Can it hurt the family? I don't think it can. No, that's a very good question, but no. Can it hurt other people? Yes, it's a guardian. Okay, no, mm. I just
2: just sort of that making, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So like, it could uh, it could, for example, if uh, if she's got like a shitty boyfriend who she invites <laughs> over, it can like mess with them. Actually, good point. What time
2: period is this in?
1: It's modern day, but the guardian spirit has been in the family for like generations and generations, but. Long forgotten now. What form is the deity in? Can she see it? Does, he, does it look like something? The deity is trapped in this little, in this little, you know, statue thing that's in its likeness, mm-hmm. and she cleans it up, and then the deity can appear to her. It would be kind of insubstantial because it's weak and like hasn't been awake, quote unquote, for like years. Mm-hmm. But it would take. It would have a humanoid form, and then like a dragon form, because like. Why not, Hmm.
0: dragons? (laughs) Oh, so does it, like, try to come to work with her or school or something and, like... uh, Sorry, I just... I mean, it could. It should. (laughs) That's been done before, but, like, like, that's one of those things where... uh, Classic for a reason. Yeah, it's a classic.
1: (laughs) Well, this is... I was thinking she would be dedicating her time to cleaning and, like, kind of restoring the family home to be sold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's in... She's like out of school. She's like in her early to mid 20s. And she would be have like remote work or like be in between jobs, which is kind of how she can, can afford to like dedicate her time to doing this for her family. Right. Okay. And then she awakens this guardian spirit by accident. And it turns out he really loved being a guardian spirit and he just wants to help her out with all the cleaning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you said it's a he? Yeah. Is this a sexy demon? Sorry. <laughs> guardian spirit i mean he's not a demon well he could be but you mm-hmm. know when he's mad maybe
1: actually i do not want them to be a couple okay okay <laughs> but <laughs> the is- thing is he has another so later on after they're like you know cleaning and stuff they they come across another statue and it's, it turns out to be his brother who is another dragon spirit and the first garden guardian spirit who i named Kier, like and the other one is Yoon. Mm-hmm. The first guardian spirit, like, really left being a guardian. But the second one, his brother, he hated it. And he hates her family. And, like, he doesn't want to be a guardian. And he wants to go home. What is home? Yeah, that's what, that's something I'm a little vague about. Ah, interesting. <laughs> yes. He wants to be free? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to make out with
0: sexy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's her name? <laughs> sexy main character. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Sorry. <laughs> It is. We're so- not being very professional
1: right now. I'm sorry. So. Uh-
2: <laughs> Was that a joke, or, or is is he the love interest to her? Or, no, he's
1: or... the love interest. I mean, oh, later on. the mean He demon. hates her guts at first, and I'm like... The mean deity. I'm doing the same thing. He doesn't really endear himself to her, so like, it's kind of mutual. I mean, but... that's classic, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you start yeah. with
0: the uh the, the sort of contentious relationship, and then you sort of grow into mm-hmm. affection for each other. and Okay. A you know.
2: couple questions here, then. Yes. What kind of... I, I want to break this down into the first date you talked about. What was his name? Uh, Kier. Kier, okay. Um. You said he really likes helping her. What kind of like type of character? Is he like really nice? Is he energetic? Is he like kind of (laughs) dumb? Is he a goofball?
1: He's very sweet and friendly and he has a mature side, but he's also very like not a doormat, but very easy, like eager Mm. to please.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay. So he's not,
1: he's not stupid or naive, but he prefers very much to live in the moment.
2: Okay. Okay. So my next question is do you want, because I feel here you have an opportunity to make this a story about her and Kier, at least for like a chapter or two before you introduce Yoon? If you yeah, can kind of, was yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I think that, um, well, first of all, I think the reveal that there's a second deity
1: is more interesting if you're kind of used to like, oh, one deity
2: is all I can handle.
1: <laughs> yeah, and-, and Kier didn't know that Yun was a guardian deity, and I don't know how that works yet, but mm. that's what I have so far. So I-, I can't remember if you had mentioned this in your original pitch. Is this a shoujo pitch? Yes, it's heavily shojo inspired. Okay, yes. that's the other thing. Like, what's <laughs> the intended audience? Well, yeah, but you don't know. No, like- no, no. I know, I know.
0: But like, it's it's
1: uh it's shaping up that way. Let's right. Just
2: say. So when you think about audience and who would like it, so shoujo is generally for sort of like girls. Is this? Yeah,
1: this is the characters are all like in their early to mid 20s. Okay. Up to like mid 30s, I guess. The okay. ones I have so far.
2: So they're a little bit older than kind yeah. of high school shojo. Do you? Could that be want-
1: like Jose? Well, depends.
2: So like, do you, who do you think would like this story? Is the, is the nature of it? Kind of adult, or does it feel very YA? It just happens to have older characters in it.
1: Um, that's a very good question. How sexy or dark does it get? Uh, not sexy because I can't write (laughs) sex (laughs) scenes. Yeah, but I mean, like, you don't have to actually have a
0: sex scene for people to be like making out. or or even just having sort of adult, complicated romantic relationships. You know? Yeah,
2: or or just uh, if she has very adult problems. Like, if her biggest problem right now is I need to clean the house of my family, I'm in between jobs, and I have these wacky deities hanging around me, that, that
0: feels YA to me. It, it sort of depends... You know, because the thing is, it depends on how much you focus on the job aspect. Yeah, Because, like, a real, like, you know, job story where a lot of her problems come from being 20-something, aimless, not really sure what to Mm, do with her life at this point, point, that can be really relatable specifically to the 20-something demographic. However, if that's a little bit more of just a way to get her into the place and
1: time where she meets these guys...
2: You know,
0: that that is
1: yes, true.
2: Is it a means to an end, or, or is, do you want the story to be kind of about her work life?
1: Um, the way I'm thinking about it now is it's more of a story about the dragons, and mm. she is kind of like the catalyst that gets their time moving again. Okay. Mm. So, so they're kind of the main
2: characters. Or yeah, her, I mean, I don't
1: want her to like just be like there for convenience, you know? If she's right. going to be a person, too. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about her, and also if there are any other human characters in the mix? Okay, so... There's her. Her name is Pan right now. She um is down-to-earth, pragmatic. I mean, she has a sense of humor. She's a good person. She's, you know, she's friendly. But she she's not terribly outgoing, you know? Mm, yeah. But she's not, like, deadpan all the time, monotone, stoic. Mm-hmm. And she's very even-keel, I guess, emotionally.
2: So these deities don't make her scream and run around and... Freak out constantly. I mean, at I mean, first it'd be a shock, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's obviously like shocked and stuff, but she's not going like, ah, throwing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know she, what I mean? She gets, like,
0: to the, she gets to the point where she can like have a conversation with a deity pretty quickly. Is that sort of the idea? Yes,
1: yes. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and her grandparents are in there too.
0: So her grandparents are alive and they're actually characters in this that she lives with?
1: Um, I, I was thinking her grandparents are alive. Okay. And they want to sell the house because they're going on in years and nobody, like their kids and their grandkids don't really want it. Because I like, it's huge and it's falling apart, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Pan does not want them to work on it it themselves because like they're her grandparents and they're getting old and like, what if one of them fell off the roof while they were trying to fix it? You know, that sort of thing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. How's her relationship with them? I'm thinking it's pretty good.
2: Well, she'd have to be pretty good if she's the one that's doing this. Unless oh, she, yeah. well, okay, not necessarily. But well, probably. yeah, I
0: mean, like you can have. But the thing is, like She's you doing can, it out of spite. <laughs> it, they don't have. They don't have to have a really like contentious relationship for them to be. You know, I think about for my own life. My grandparents both like really, really didn't want their kids to help them with stuff mm. way beyond the point where they actually needed help. Yeah. So that's a hypothetical point of. Of you know uh, a conflict, the idea that like you know Grandpa's like getting out the ladder to go up on the roof, and she has to like stop him, and be like please please go sit over here, or you know like yeah. and, and I mean I, I know that you know it sort of depends how much you want to deal with this, but I, I do feel like uh, stories about aging and dealing with the elderly sometimes don't get told that often. Mm. So it's a place yeah. where it doesn't have to be necessarily even a focal point, but the idea of sort of dealing with these elderly people who can't do all the things they used to you know maybe Mm -hmm. maybe their bodies or even their you know like like alzheimer's or or dementia or something like that starting to go a little bit where she has to kind of a deal with some people she loved and helped raise her and she always thought of as being kind of competent or suddenly suddenly need her for things that she didn't really expect them to so that's
1: kind of an angle you can take on it yeah like they're both fairly able still like able body they Can still get around. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't live in the ancestral home. Oh, okay. So, where do they live? Um, I was thinking like farther away, like somewhere like more civilized. The ancestral home is going to be like in the middle of nowhere in the countryside.
2: Do they live in like a a retirement community? Uh, do they live? So you said they live alone elsewhere?
1: Yeah, I was thinking they still live like in their own place. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're they're independent. Starting to think more about like what's going to happen as they're, you know, they age more mm-hmm. and they can't do what they could before, you know? Okay. But that, mm. that
0: leaves the, what's her name?
1: Pan? Pan? Yes. Is yes. it
0: Pan
2: with a, an N like
0: Nancy or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Pan. Sorry. Yeah. Pan, like a frying pan. Okay. Mm. So that leave her, that leaves her alone with these uh, guardian spirits for a lot of the time.
1: Yes. But I was thinking later on, I think that could be like her grandparents come to visit to see how thing, how she's like doing. Cause like, This, you know, this woman living in this rundown place by herself, whether or not she's fixing it up. And the guardian spirits are there. And maybe like one of her grandparents, depending on which side of the family it is, bears a striking resemblance to, you know, an old ancestral family member that Kira remembers, you know?
0: Oh okay. Mm. Yeah, that actually could bring up some cool
1: stuff. Uh question,
0: who yes. can see them, the spirits?
1: I'm thinking that once they like gain strength and after they uh, awaken from their statue, that they are tangible, and everyone can see them.
2: Oh, okay. So she, so if, if one of them, you were joking earlier, one of them accompanies her to work, Yeah. <laughs> everybody can see that there's a dragon on her shoulder?
0: Yeah, well, they have human But they forms. have the human form.
2: Oh, the human form. But that's then right. they probably
0: act weird, too. I mean, that, that, again, that, that's, one, that's one of the really classic tropes where, like, yeah. I mean, you know, we were joking about they go to school, they go to work, mm-hmm. whatever, too. But I mean, even just like they go to the grocery store, and they're like, my word, what is this strange concoction? And they, like, start drinking pouring <laughs> mm. pouring like sugar cereal in their mouth and like yeah. getting all hot yeah. okay um
2: what where does this take place you said it's modern like do you know yes. a country or yes in the country like but what country is this like America? Oh, oh
1: i have not i'm not really sure about that yet okay
0: eh, it's not gonna so
1: yeah have that that much doesn't, i mean
2: particularly
0: if they're in the country and she's pretty isolated with these like yeah. supernatural beings it could be really the country be, looks pretty similar yeah. in a lot of yeah <laughs> 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 rural
1: yeah,
0: yeah. so Can you tell a little bit more about sort of the arc of the story and and what the point of it is, if you have that yet?
1: Okay, so I was thinking, I've actually been thinking about this, and when you said earlier in the podcast, like, think about what would make your story interesting that, like, struck me, because you don't really hear that a lot, so I've been thinking about that. And, (laughs) like, you hear, like, show, don't tell, and, like, you know, here's 25 ways to write this emotion, but, you know, anyway. (laughs) So they actually have the dragon brothers. They actually have an older sister who is... I'm torn between having her also be a guardian spirit trapped on the land and not being trapped on the land. And she comes from their homeland, which is like some sort of dragon world, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they're all powerful deities. And Yun is like the one who's trapped there and he doesn't like being trapped there. He is very bitter and like cold and like angry and he's just like wants to go home and like so i was thinking it would be kind of a point of contention at one point in the story where yun is really angry at kier cuz kier's like doesn't want to leave and he likes humans and i was also thinking that one one of the reasons kier likes being with humans so much is because he's running away from some sort of responsibility in his like oh. dragon homeland okay mm. <laughs> i like that an idea I've been kicking around is that they're actually some sort of dragon royalty. Yeah, that, that was sort
0: of mm. where my brain went to the moment you said that. But I mean, that makes sense if they're supposed yes. to be kind of like
1: princes of that realm or whatever. Yes. And I was also thinking like this was like sparked by the make your story interesting comment again. What if Pan's family way back in all the generations when Kier was first became a guardian spirit? What if they were somehow like, had magic powers or something like that, where they were, like, in contention with these dragon people. And they, like, managed to trap Kira and Yun. But also, I oh. think that I had was like Kier was friends with one of Pan's ancestors, and that's why he agreed to be a guardian spirit. But it was kind of a betrayal, then, is what you're saying. Is that I'm not sure. Like, was it a punishment? I'm very vague on that right now. Yoon was definitely captured against his will, but Kier Mm -hmm. maybe he Mm. maybe there was a betrayal, but. Ooh. It was more of a betrayal of him against his dragon people. I don't know. Mm. No, it's okay
2: if you don't have to have it all developed now. That's kind of the point of this, is to mm-hmm. help you shape a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's an important part of the process where when you have to explain your idea to somebody else, it helps you clarify in your mind
1: what mm-hmm. you want to do. <laughs> and actually, um, their sister, I mentioned mm-hmm. her before, right? Yes. Yep. Right, right, yes. Uh, Suzu, that's her name right now. She is the oldest, so she's the queen of their dragon people. And mm-hmm. she is married to this guy, and it was an arranged marriage, but now it grew into a marriage of like love and affection. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking if she's not a guardian and she is, you know, ruling the dragon people and everything and living in their homeland, her role in the story could be to bring the experience of the dragons as a people, as a whole. Because Kira's like, I don't wanna I want to stay here and I want to clean your house for the rest of the- <laughs> Eternity. Yeah. <laughs> it's got really like, simple needs. And Yun is just like, I hate humans. Like, I want to get out of here. I can't, but I can't do anything about it because, you know, I'm a guardian and this stupid spell. Mm-hmm. And Suzu would just be like bringing out the m- more general picture of the dragons as a whole. I
0: think mm-hmm. that's a good idea. I think yeah. you've got enough of these trap guardians and it, from what it sounds like to me, unless things change pretty drastically in the story having suzu be this that that kind of connection to the world that uh, the other two guardian spirits left behind, and one of them wants, and one of them doesn't want, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and having her be the representative of that kind of, you know, well, first of all, yeah, getting the, the place you get information about the other world from, because you mm-hmm. know, you might not need a ton of information about it, but you definitely need some because it's yeah. so tied to both of the uh, both of the brothers' roles. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. I think that's a good idea. And, and then she's also an
2: element that you would probably want to introduce quite a bit into the story. Yeah. Yes. Well, so you start so you that's start what with I was that. Thinking, like, yeah. Well, what if she she and Yoon start having a little bit of a thing, if you get to that point, and then this other element comes in mm-hmm. and it's like, well this is who he actually is. This is what the actual problem is.
0: Yeah. So she's gonna yeah. sort of shed a lot of light on what's actually going on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um so <laughs> later on Sounds in this good. story I've been thinking about the ending of where I wanna go with this because you know that's kind of important. You
2: don't. You don't have to reveal the ending if you don't want. Oh really? Well, we don't. If you want to do the story, we don't want to. This spoil is the thing. It. <laughs> it's it's up it,
0: to if you. this was a normal session, we would say, "Give us the ending." You have to. Yeah. <laughs> because that's actually something that, like, we've we we always try to like nail this in to people's heads. Because a lot of times when people like do submissions, they they leave one of those. Will they s- defeat the evil forces? Blah blah blah. You'll <laughs> have to read it to find out. And I'm like, that's not how you pitch a story to an editor. Yeah, we have to know how. Okay. It we have to know how it ends. But yeah. in this con
2: context you don't have to because if you want to write this story and release it
0: at some point and you don't want to
2: spoil the audience we're okay. definitely not going to require you but it's you know you you can tell us a little bit like what's the goal of this story like is it ultimately what's the biggest what, what's
0: the most important element is it a love story is it a okay assumedly there's going to be some f- either figuring out how to release them from being guardian spirits, mm. or figuring out whether she wants to release them as they want to be released mm. as guardian spirits, or, I assume.
2: Or if they get released as guardian ex- spirits at a totally unpredictable time. So, if this is something where you can have it at the end, you can have it, blah, or you can have it happen, they're all like, okay, I don't want this to happen, blah, 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 or it's going to happen after we do this thing, and then suddenly they're released. That's uh, another thing that you can do too.
0: <laughs> or what's uh sorry who's the mean one you you Yoon yes uh, Yoon yes. sorry the brother yeah <laughs> or Yoon gets released doesn't tell anyone because oh! around for
1: shit ten. that's good yeah oh my gosh <laughs> I love
2: that yeah there there are a lot of options there I I yeah. really like that that dynamic of being trapped but they all have different feelings on it like yeah. I really like the the. <laughs> the willing prisoner archetype being kind of the first guy who's introduced mm. especially if it's not clear that he's a willing prisoner until the story goes on mm-hmm. where it's like oh no he's a guardian deity he's supposed to be like this Yoon is the one who's weird you know if you're a guardian deity the whole point is you're here to serve the family yeah. do your job mm-hmm. <laughs> you know learn
0: to love your job and, and yeah not really understanding how trapped they are until Yoon yeah. says it and then not understanding the full implications of that and what yeah, yeah. or the fact that Yoon
2: is not a totally reliable source about this because she knows that he doesn't like it. So maybe he's talking shit when he says they shouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. And especially if, oh, what's the first guy's name? Kree. Kree? Kier. 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 (laughs) Especially if Kier is like, don't
1: listen to him. He's just a sourpuss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's another thing. Like, each of the dragons, I mean, I guess each of the characters I've mentioned, like, they all have different perspectives on this one central I guess idea or theme of the guardianship, mm-hmm, right, and their mm-hmm. roles in it, because mm-hmm. I really like stories like okay, so say games with different paths that you can explore and depending and depending on which path you go down, you get more of one character's you know perspective of a situation in the storyline right or their backstory or whatever, but it all comes together as a cohesive whole to tell a you know, a whole story. So I
2: guess my next question would be, is this a story about learning what it is to take to take care of somebody? I, I don't know if that's kind of your, your ultimate goal, but it's something yeah. something like that might tie into a lot of the stuff that you're trying yeah, to do thematically, here. Thematically
0: that does seem to match with a lot of stuff, including the relationship with the grandparents, including yeah. the relationship with both of the siblings.
1: Yeah. A thing that I really wanted to kind of explore like, not intentionally, mm-hmm. but at first, but then it just kept, like, hitting me in the face, and it became, like, really obvious, was <laughs> the idea of family. Like, the concept of family. Mm, either by, that's a good one, you know, yeah. Either by blood or, like, fu- you know, found family.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have a lot of those, you know, you have the the obvious ones, like the grandparents, you know, relationship. Mm-hmm. You have the family between the deities. Yeah. You have kind of the Kier is a little bit more like the brother character, whereas Yoon would be more like the husband uh, you know, like, yeah. There, yeah. there are a lot of things and, there. And I yeah. think
0: I think also exploring the, the relationship between Kier and Pan yes. is going to be a mm. really interesting place because they're not in a romantic relationship, yeah. although that could hypothetically come up, depending on how you want to play it.
1: Yes. Well, they're not, and they don't want to be. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> But even if you're with somebody where you don't want to be, sometimes you, it kind of comes up yeah. as in, like, should we do this? And you're just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how substantial is this guy? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Well, he has a human form yeah. and maybe she has to check out that human form's ass. Maybe the human form comes in naked. Another <laughs> another trope of the genre that you should consider. <laughs> uh- <laughs> but it, is he substantial enough to effectively grab her boob? Is
2: what I'm asking. <laughs> human form. But 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 is he semi- she was saying that in the beginning they're too weak. Like does this mean that in the beginning you're going to have a case where Kier is You know, trying to touch hands with her and their fingers are passing through. Yes. And then at some point, there's a a car that's about to hit her and he pushes her out of the way. Oh, yeah.
0: Definitely something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm thinking of all shoujo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is like shoujo trope day. It's like, I touched you. Actually, that's a really great, like, yeah, that's a wonderful way that way to have him become substantial. Yeah, just, right? just you know, I love that. So there's, you know, their their house is falling apart. Maybe something's falling off the roof. Yeah, you yeah. know, like there's lots of ways you can play it. Yeah, I love that. She's trying to fix the shingles and she falls and then he grabs he, her. Oh, he fucking catches her, princess yeah, style. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like a shoujo like has done. petals out of nowhere. Oh, just so many. Yeah, even if it's prose, there are still flower petals. <laughs>
1: A breeze yeah, picks
2: have, up. Uh, what format were you thinking of for this? Is this prose? You're a writer, right?
1: Yes, this would be prose because, yeah, I am a writer. Mm.
2: Boy, this sounds great, Leah. I read <laughs> the shit
1: out of this. Oh, that makes me so happy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I always, I, I do kind of like, well, I, I like human relationships with the supernatural. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like this kind of like the, the familiar relationships that is mm-hmm. like family and romance yes. but it's also got that twist do you watch a lot of natsume's book of friends
1: i love natsume's book of friends oh it's
2: so good and that's a really good example of like a shoujo that does that does kind of lots of different kinds of relationships between the human yes. world and the supernatural world yeah see i'm not so that surprised that you watch it because i was mm-hmm. gonna say if you haven't watched it you should because yeah, it's gonna that you a mentioned lot of ideas. it, i'm
1: just like Natsume's Book of Friends was like a really huge influence on this. Like, I didn't even mm. realize it, but I kind of get snatches of like, what if this wasn't, you know, an anime? Because, like, I'm an anime fan in my head, mm. and that's kind of the aesthetic I get. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, Natsume's not like a traditional anime. It feels a lot like a Japanese folktale.
1: But it's another yes, one where you're it. talking
0: about, yeah, where you're talking about a shojo. Where the main relationships are not romantic. Yes. Yeah. You know? or, and that's also kind yeah. of a, a new thing. I mean, thing. one of them
2: might be, but but they're not uh, – the, the the first relationship is not romantic. Actually, yeah. I I really like that. If you start with kind of like the brother character, yeah. and then you introduce his bro- brooding handsome brother, and he's the actual <laughs> love interest, <laughs> mm. first of all, you're going to get people writing really excellent fan fiction going in either direction.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah,
2: but yeah it, it kind of keeps you from feeling too cliche. If it's mm-hmm. not just here's a girl, here's a boy, they're in love. Yeah. You know, it's like – no, she has a lot of different relationships with a lot of different people,
0: and he yeah. has different relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. and how you know again, you can build that that friendship between people who hypothetically could be in a relation in a, in a mm-hmm. romantic relationship, but have decided not to be. Which yep. is another. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just it's, it's an interesting way to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hell, he could be wingmanning either or one of mm. them, or trying to keep them apart because his brother's a dick. Oh god, <laughs> more. <You know>? Yes.
2: <laughs> so good. Uh, the other thing. That I would, I mean, this is something you've probably thought about because you were talking about you have, you're imagining it in snatches. Mm-hmm. In the way that we were joking about catching her princess style or whatever. I think it's important to think of a a couple really great moments Mm. that you're going to build your story kind of around. You'll Once you start actually working on this, you're going to have a lot of ideas. Like as you start, a lot of ideas happen as you're working because it's not kind of until you put it all down that you're like, oh, I hadn't really thought about this, blah, blah, blah. But I think if you have a couple, using your premise, using your characters and your dynamics, if you think of a couple like really great moments, people are going (gasps) to, you know, like (laughs) like gasp-worthy moments. Um, And then... Build that, like, make those kind of key points in the stories. Try to make those into sort of like either the climax or or the
0: surprise. You know? Yeah, and you know when you're talking about sort of intent of the story, most shojo romances and shojo in general do kind of, at least partially, exist to create that kind of emotional reaction in people. Absolutely. So yes. yeah, basically yeah. the feels. You know, you got you got you got to provide the feels, and having those ideas kind of in your mind ahead of time as the things you really want to have happen because, you know, they're just, you know, it's always fun to have like a twist on them, but like the classics are classics for a reason. Mm. Yes. Uh, you know, so having those kind of charged moments and sort of knowing you want to use them as kind of a, not not an end point, obviously, but as mm-hmm. those certain points that kind of mm. stand out to people, the ones that get people really excited, mm-hmm. you know? Well, in shoujo, <laughs> they always have
2: the line. And they don't do this just in shoujo. They actually do this in a lot of manga. Where somebody something will be happening. Usually there'll be a fight or like some kind of conflict, either mm-hmm. spoken or you know people exploding each other, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be like three quarters of a page. Somebody like head-on shot, and they have a bubble and they say something really important. Mm-hmm. And then there's a reaction shot of the other person, and their pupils are small, and it's like their hair is blowing back. You know, it's <laughs> like it's the moment where anime kind of freezes. And they're like, what? There has yeah. to be like oh, a my reveal. Gosh. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, the really cliche stories, it's just like, I love you. But like manga is really good at those kind of those key points that get mm. you to sort of and they, the story is built largely around them. That, that's always I'm kind of like, you know, of what's fruits coming.
1: Basket. That's full of the- <laughs> That's all that Fruits Basket <laughs> is
2: going for. it. Don't get me started on Fruits Basket. <laughs> But another thing that I would suggest is because we have all these moments, you know, like like we were talking about, as you build these moments, and sometimes they're cliche. That's mm-hmm. okay to start there, to be like, these are the, you know there's somebody's going to say something, what is he going to say? Once you have those moments, I find it very useful to go into them and be like, okay, I know what the standard thing to happen here would be. How can I make it the same kind of emotion, but it's just different enough that people find it kind of surprising? Yes. So if a love reveal... Is going to be a really important key in, say, let's say the second third of your story or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not Yoon confessing. Maybe it's Kier telling her my brother's in love with you. Or it could be. <laughs> hey, how about this? It could be the queen shows up. And she's like, "I can't believe that fool is in love with you," or something like that, where she reveals something that she kind of shouldn't to kind of take, like take the teeth out of. He was ready to confess, and then she just says it, you know. <laughs> Things like that, where, where you kind of you know where the emotional highs are going to be, mm-hmm. and you know how anime would do it. So I have a very clear picture in my head of her falling off the roof and him going <laughs> no, and reaching out, and then it slows down, and then like the screen goes white, and like he's holding her there, and it just goes like, ding 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 ding, and, like. <laughs> And the hair, and the hair is rustling in the breeze, and otherwise just staring at each other. Dramatic, violent <laughs> music. <laughs> it's very clear how that would happen in regular shojo. So you can, if, when you have it, that picture in your head of if this were a shojo, is there a way that you can twist it just a little to make it feel fresh and new, but still hit that same beat? It's kind of like. Integrating fanfic tropes into original work yes. people like the fanfic tropes for a reason can you make it feel a little bit fresh but still
0: give people that
2: familiar comfort mm-hmm. of those tropes that are there because people love them yes
0: mm. one other thing I think I want to suggest and this kind of brings it back to Pan specifically I feel a little bit like right now and this is going to be my first real piece of like critique critique okay here
2: we go okay All right, I'm <laughs>
0: sorry just joking yeah right (laughs) now the way you're describing her feels a little bit like the protagonist from a lot of western shoujo inspired stuff the person who's kind of down to earth she's a little funny but she's not that funny she's a little whatever whatever I think you should think about her specifically and what makes her an individual what makes her different from all the other sort of like kind of shy uh, good head on her shoulders protagonists because when Mm. we're doing submissions that's a trope that we that that's a sort of an archetype that we get a lot Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time she's not really strong enough to hold to carry a story
1: yeah i do agree i feel like i fleshed out the uh, the dragon people pretty well at least like Mm -hmm. character wise but pan still feels a little flat to me right now Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and And that's fine yeah yeah i mean again it's 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 part of the process but i think that like specifically maybe because it seems like the the dragons you've got a pretty good handle on them Mm -hmm. they're you know I, i think right now obviously they're both a little bit you know, I think they're going to develop more as people as you go, but you've got like a pretty good start point for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with her, I think you've got to think really hard about what's important to her that's different from the average kid or, you know, like the average 20-something. What, yeah. you know, you know, just, just just ways to make her different. And sort of, you know, even you, you take the, those, those tropes of her being shy, her being down to earth, her being a little funny and sort of pick, even just picking which one of those she's the most, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and that can be kind of your start point for making her uh, more of a character, you know, give her some real flaws too you know maybe she's maybe she's indecisive to the point where it's screwing up her life maybe you know because you're talking about her being kind of between things and that's a problem maybe maybe her last job was really hard and she's kind of a little traumatized from that where she's trying to kind of find her bearings maybe Mm -hmm. she's you know I mean I can I can throw out a hundred of these sorts of things but I think just coming up with some specifics Mm -hmm. about her backstory her relationship to her family her place in the world uh, and and sort of how she ended up where she is is going to help you with that
2: yeah Okay, cool. I think that's a really good point. Um, that even if Pan is supposed to be a bit of a cypher character where she's supposed to be a stand in for the reader, I think y- you do need to make her interesting on her own so that- yeah, and, yeah, and I definitely. mean, I just,
0: I do also think that, like, when I think about shoujo manga, the ones that stand out are the ones where the main character does have a little more to them. And they can fit into a lot of mm-hmm. romance tropes and shoujo tropes and stuff like that while still having kind of that spark to them that makes yeah. them yeah. feel like their own person and not just...
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do want Pan to be her own person and to be able to stand alone as a character. I just don't know how I would do that yet. So she needs work. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: mean, you clearly thought out a lot about the dynamics of the the dragon people yep. and a little bit about their world. Well, she had a life before they kind of waltzed in. Mm. So I think that you had kind of a, a good place where she's starting. She's this kind of person. She has, you know, she's in between, like you were saying, that, that liminal space that she's mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Is she's going through her quarter-life crisis, the relationship with her grandparents? And I feel like that would be a very good focus for the first third of the story is if you start with Kier kind of jo- po- popping in her life, like she's got issues in her life or whatever they are. And even if – they don't have to be, like, super dramatic. They could just be like, I'm taking care of this house because I don't know what else to do with my free time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or I feel like I owe my grandparents something. Or I failed at everything and this is – I want to feel success and I think – there are a million reasons why she did that. Yeah. But then, like, Kier comes in and he – Disrupts that life, yeah. And he might make certain elements about it better. It might make certain elements harder.
0: Yeah. And um, then also, how does she react to that? Does she mm-hmm. embrace the the distraction? You know, mm-hmm. is 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 something weird and supernatural happening? Kind of welcome. Is it screwing things up because she was sort of like about to get her feet under her, and then this happened and knocked her off balance? Mm-hmm. You know. And the way that you have things set up now, you're basically going to
2: have a really good opportunity. Like really a paint by numbers opportunity to develop these people one at a time, which is great because a lot of premises are like you open and there are eight people. And, you know, I've actually um, for my other job, I work for Seven Seas and I've been reading more of the backlist. And we just came out with this book called uh, Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash, which I think some people have heard about. It's a, a light novel and it's animated and stuff. And we we uh, were doing like the print edition of the light novel. I don't know. I, it was in the stack <laughs> of books that I was supposed to read for work. And that one literally is a guy with no memory, wakes up in a cave, like a guy in modern clothing, wakes up in a, like a medieval cave with 11 other people who have never met and don't have names <laughs> and have, don't have any memories. And I was like, Good lord. (laughs) And I actually kind of liked what I read of that because he immediately started boiling people down to like Spunky Ponytail and like whatever, like he Mm -hmm. had his own internal names for them before because they couldn't even remember their own names at first, I think. But that is so hard. This, this I see like totally reasonable. It's going to be easy for the, you don't have to think of some elaborate thing like a wake was in order to, you know, integrate all this stuff in a a tight ways that people aren't bored, but you're not overwhelming them. This yeah. is great, this premise. Mm. You have people introduce one at a time. You start with Pan, you know, a dragon boy falls into her lap and it's like, I'm here to make your life better. And then, but as he came out of the statue, he knocked down all the shit and like, basically like, <laughs> you know, the, the shed fell down around them. He's like, I can fix it. It's fine. Oh no, my powers are gone because I'm too weak. Um, Help me. She's like, great, more more shit to do. It's something like that. Yeah. And then you do all this stuff with him and then you integrate the brother and then mm. you integrate the sister. Like they're all the, and you can. As each person is comes in, it's kind of like the, the transfer student <laughs> thing. Mm. It's like as each person comes in, they kind of throw a wrench in what you'd already built. Yeah, and yes. I think
0: I think specifically because because sorry because the cast of characters is so small, and mm. because these characters each have such specific perspectives on things. Yeah, it's it's not even just that they're gonna. It's not even like the transfer student. They're gonna throw a huge wrench in it because each one of them coming in mm, yeah. changes the reader's and pan's perspective on what's actually happening. Yes. And I think that's actually going to be one of the big strengths of your story as those yeah. reveals. Yay,
2: For yes. sure. Oh, yeah, this is much better than a transfer student. Usually the transfer student, they throw in because, like, things are going too well. And they're
0: like, da-da-da, somebody yeah. sexy just well, showed up and now they're going <laughs> to seduce both of you. I don't know. In the worst situations, it's because the creator was sort of running out of ideas and they're like, oh, shit, gotta, gotta mix it up. And the editor was forcing them to continue the story because it was yeah. doing well. <laughs>
2: That's a discussion for another day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Leah, I, I think this sounds great. Yay! Did you did you have any specific things that you wanted to discuss, like elements that you were having trouble with, things that you weren't really
1: sure about yet? Well, the things I'm not sure about are just like, what exactly is going on in, in the dragon world, and like, Pan's ancestral thing from when Kier got, you know, Kier and Hune became guardians and stuff. But I think that's just stuff I have to like, keep working through, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know a lot of the details of that story are gonna probably. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could play it. I think the idea of there being some kind of sketchy and contentious things during, you know, from when these guys became guardians is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the idea that it wasn't just like, and then we decided to do this thing. I mean, you know. Yeah. The, you know, you can you can have like old romantic feelings. You can have uh, you know, because if uh, if what's his name, sorry. Kier, sorry, I don't know why that name (laughs) isn't sticking in either of our heads. If Kier had some kind of relationship with someone from that family and that was sort of the reason he decided to watch over them yeah and it, and it can be either just like familial love or romantic or he had a crush on someone who was married to someone else but he decided to protect them anyway or he wanted to watch over their kids or yeah. blah 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 there's like a million different ways you can play it and
1: all of them are <laughs> so <wonderful>. many tropes <laughs> so many tropes you mentioned earlier do you have a title for this yes i do it's idol worship, but it's, like, idol, like, if you're idling your car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like I a, like that. It's a yeah. pun.
0: You like because
2: it it's I a pun. I like puns,
1: yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, want it, I want it to be very... I started the story not wanting it to be super heavy and, like, mm-hmm. dark and, like, angsty and, like, dramatic and, like, soul ripping and philosophical and all that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to be, like, the atmosphere of Natsume's Book of Friends.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it, you can do that. Which is still a... emotional, but it, it's like not like soul Yeah, imaging. In fact, when mm-hmm. that comic, or rather when that well,
2: show, I've read the comic as well, but when that series gets dark, you're always a little bit like, oh, don't you <laughs> yeah. dare! Like, A friend of ours, she actually watches Natsume before bed every night to help her fall asleep because it's so soothing.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, it does get emotional, but... And you cry. Like, I cry when I watch it all the time, but... Yeah, so, I mean, I think, yeah, in
0: terms of tone, obviously, like, what you end up having these things... Like, the answers to these questions is... Is going to really depend on tone because you know yeah. you could. There, there is obviously a way to make this really dark and contentious, and there's also obviously a way to make this very much like everyone means well and everyone loves each other. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and they are treating each other badly on occasion out of loving each other too much, which is kind of.
2: Like- yeah, I think I I I do think that you can navigate this in a way and keep it from getting too dark or angsty, but still having moments of real surprise yeah um,
1: gravity and stuff
2: yeah gravity and stuff mm-hmm. i mean the, there's dragon people land and people being forced to be guardian deities i mean there, there's already conflict kind yes. of built into the yeah into mm-hmm. the very premise and, and conflict i mean i'm biased because i like i want as much conflict as possible in the stuff that i read but conflict is really what drives any story yeah. so you have points of conflict in there that are really excellent i, I think those are going to be mm they're going to f- not they're going to feel comfortable enough for people cuz they're a little bit tropey but not that tropey i mean like the 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 i have a hot guardian spirit is like pretty tropey but the other elements that you've introduced they feel familiar but they don't feel like any one thing i've read in particular mm-hmm. there's a um a manga oh boy i'm going to date myself again okay so <laughs> you know what you want to say uh yeah She did Fushigi Yugi and, yes yes okay. a billion <laughs> things She had a two-volume series that was one of my favorite things that she ever wrote called *Epituran Sumai, which was about a girl who has an electronic diary. And this was like in the 90s when you would have electronic diaries. And there's a genie in it, (laughs) and he's like a handsome boy, and he pops out, and he's like, I'm going to help you live a life, or like, I'm going to help you with your life. She had a crush on some boy in school.
1: Don't listen to him. It's Tom Riddle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is, but it includes things. His powers are things like... I can transform into other people. I can uh make things appear if you type it into the the diary. I can't remember all the specifics, but he had a couple of very specific powers and mm-hmm. everything was a pickle. Every chapter was like him trying to make things better and she's like, "Fuck, you're making it worse." Meanwhile, he's like slowly falling in love with her. The boy she has a crush on is slowly following in her falling in love with her. But maybe the genie version of it I don't know because I think he would occasionally take her place and be mm-hmm. like I love you and he'd be like you're so aggressive today I don't even remember the details but it was <laughs> amazing and this reminds me like a little bit of that but even that is really quite a different premise that was really romantic comedy mm-hmm. so yeah. this, this feels like a shoujo that I would have read but I haven't read mm-hmm. and I wouldn't know how it would end
0: either mm-hmm. yeah and I think, I think um, that point about figuring out what the guardian spirits can do and what they can't do hmm. And then sort of using those rules to full effect is going to make your story stronger. Yeah. 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 Uh, they're you know. they're going to shape
2: the story in a lot of ways, what you decide they can or can't do and and why, yeah. why they're in that situation. Is that a limitation of their power or is that because they're tethered, like you said?
0: Yeah. And I mean, you said they start weak and they get stronger. So how does their powers change to sort of show that? I think I think that's all going to be what kind of drives your plot in a lot of ways. Hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, just just uh, I think something we we did a lot with Tokyo Demons and ISA and the bugs is sort of finding new and creative ways to use use the the bugs in the way that we've kind of set the rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's another thing that can kind of help, and that can also d- drive a lot of like hijinks, you know? Yeah, and it actually
2: having limitations like that, it's like the rules of the box will help mm-hmm. you a lot as the creator because mm-hmm. you're not, <laughs> you know, everybody's read that action series where it's like you unlocked my another another form, you know? And it's like, <laughs> how many fucking forms does this robot have? It's over 9,000. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and this is, that's a little bit more even of like the shounen tradition. Mm-hmm. Like the shoujo tradition yeah. is, it's not really about the goals, about the journey. Mm-hmm. So, and this is clearly kind of a story about relationships and stuff. So I think in your case, um, not only will limitations to the powers help you as a creator, they'll help the reader, mm-hmm. they'll, keep things focused on what they're supposed to be focused on which is the uh, intercharacter moments you yeah. know h- how does this facilitate or hinder the relationships between the different people
1: well thank you so much for volunteering this no yeah. thank you like i'm so excited now <laughs> well i want to read it yeah. <laughs>
0: shit man yeah definitely uh you know but i mean honestly i think that's that's uh, if we want to like sort of bring this back around to just creating in general, getting excited about your own work so you are driven to create that work yeah. is one of the most valuable things in the entire world. That's you, important. Know? Yeah. you kind of have to be your own biggest fan to just make it happen. <laughs> mm. And sometimes, you know, bouncing those ideas off somebody else can get you into them. Sometimes having someone you know wants to read your stuff uh, is oh, really inspiring. Yeah. That's actually
2: really common. Like kids who are, especially when they're younger, but finding a kid in their class who is like, you know, let's say you write little stories and there's like one kid, you know, you give them to all your friends. You're like, I'd love to get some feedback. And then one kid is like, I really want to read the next part. Writing so that kid has more to read (laughs) is actually pretty common in terms of you you need inspiration. All it really takes is one person. Uh Um, That person can be you saying, I want to have an end. The person can be external.
0: Oh, yeah. And like, even as an adult and a professional Mm -hmm. working, you know, working on Awaken stuff, uh, I always had trouble kind of like picturing people wanting to read my stuff, but I would sort of focus in on one or two fans yeah. <laughs> who had like, you know, made themselves known on the internet yeah. and be all like, well, you know, if I don't finish this, uh, Nonane and Courtney are going to be really sad. <laughs> so-
2: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much. That's why we always we always say this, but if you like something on the internet, please tell the creator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Help drive them.
0: Okay. Uh, Great. Thank you so much, Leah. Thank you guys any Any closing thoughts about this process from your end, Leah, or uh, anything any advice for people?
1: No, I thought all your suggestions were like really good suggestions, and like it felt like you were trying to help the story grow, but also like it would benefit me because I'm like writing the story, so it did not feel harsh to me, and I was like. <laughs> trying to be open to suggestion too because you know if i want people to read my story it's not just about me anymore oh yeah that's, that's a good, really good, good way that, to put that's it. a
0: really good point and it's true that you know there's a lot of different types of writing and sometimes you do write something just for yourself yeah and sometimes you write
1: something for yourself and then you throw it out into the world and you're like eh, anybody else want this yeah. <laughs> but if you <laughs> i mean i am writing this for myself i mean i'm not going to like bend backwards for people who are like demanding about stuff oh, oh yeah yeah, I yeah. You know.
0: but i mean just you know the fact that you're sort of thinking about an audience and yeah you know, what you what you were saying before about make it interesting yes you know and th- there was a, a fa- one of those famous writing uh quotes i, I don't know probably like curve or something <laughs> who gets gets gifted a lot uh not gift but you know what i mean yeah, like yeah most, quoted like, a lot yeah. quoted a lot on like you know in interesting fonts and stuff yes uh <laughs> Uh, but about like you know, treat the reader's time like it has value, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I can't. remember. Oh yeah, you know,
2: uh, there was somebody I can't remember him now. He was a modern, a modern writer. I think he wrote mystery novels or something. He, he was fairly accomplished, but not like Stephen King or anything. You know, and he had a um, <laughs> suggestion where he said when you're writing whatever computer you're writing on, have a little <laughs> sticky note and write who cares on it and then stick it like <laughs> right at the top of your computer so as you're writing and your eyes are wandering, you keep going back to that question, who cares? And he's like, that. He's like no, erase that sentence. No one gives a shit. <laughs> And that was a little bit, well, I mean, that works on the micro level and on the macro level, like thinking about your audience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you said, being open to it there. I mean, (laughs) we're fortunate that I really liked your idea. I didn't have that much criticism (laughs) to go off the bat. Yeah, true. But like you said, the idea of trying to to make your story grow and and being open to ideas, because if you come in with a very particular idea of what you want to do and you don't really want anybody else to give you advice...
1: Yeah. That's perfectly
2: fair, but it's going to be a little limiting.
1: Yeah, I mean there there is a difference between asking for feedback and asking people what they thought. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you ask for feedback, it's like you're more open to like improving your story. But if it's just like, what did you think? And someone's like, mm-hmm. it was great, and you're like, good stroke my ego. Like mm-hmm. I'm totally like that too, by the way. But you know,
0: oh yeah, like like I think I think it's most creative people need a little bit of that at least.
2: Yeah, I mean, you need you, know, you need some ass padding. I mean, th- that's the difference a between lie. just being. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference between just being an audience and wanting to be yeah. part of the process. And and you can't always be part of the process. That's like a two way street. Yeah. But you no, know, yeah, I, I I agree with that. You do need sort of cheerleaders. That's what everybody's mom is for. Like, don't don't knock that. That's really important. You yeah. have to have people who will just blow a little smoke up your ass just to keep you going. And, like, if you can't be your own biggest fan, because that works too. If you're just like, I really need this to end, but. <laughs> um Don't knock the people who are just like
0: I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I mean, not not everyone no, no, is I'm really equipped doing to that, be. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like you know, in general, not everyone's really even equipped
1: to be a uh, like a, a critic. You know. That's true. No, no, that's Some true. people just they enjoy it, but they can't really articulate it. But their like enjoyment is honest. Yeah. Yes, it's they a, can enjoy a skill. stuff, but they don't know how to <laughs> <had a> critique.
0: <laughs> is a skill, yes, and I mean yeah. that's why we've been in this industry for like a bazillion years.
2: Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you for everyone listening to this <laughs> weirdly intimate process.
0: <laughs> yeah, let us know if you liked this and if you think it was valuable because uh, it was pretty fun. I, I mean, like, like I gotta say, you know, uh, Leah and I got into this because we like it. I love going and picking people's story ideas apart and and talking about the creative process and that kind of thing. So you know, like, this is a fun fun time for me, at least. <laughs> uh, I don't
1: know if it was fun for
0: Leah, but I had uh, fun l-
1: too. I felt like we were like, you know, fairly same level of excitement. So it was like, it was fun. And we're certainly all on the same team.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like a good editor wants you to succeed. Oh, yeah. And got it sometimes enough. they're going to be blunt about things. And sometimes they're not going to like your work. Even things that you were really enthusiastic about, they're going to disagree with. But like a good editor wants your story to be the best it possibly can be. And they're going to work with you to make it that. You know what I mean? They're yeah. supposed to be your
2: partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, in a journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lillian would be really good at this. So if, if yeah, people got to let us know if this is too taken out of context to be interesting mm-hmm. or if they want, because I would, we can talk to other creators or we can even take blind pitches from people.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, we've certainly taken a lot through open submissions. I know that it's a it's a private thing, so it depends if people really want to. But yeah, we're well, curious you know, so, some interested. people
0: are really, really into critique, too, you know?
2: Yeah, they are. We've we've definitely had some of our people were like, yeah, I kind of liked this, and they're like, what didn't you like? And then you're like, I could give you pages. They're like, give it to me, bring it on, you know, like, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> That's not most people, but there are definitely people like that. Okay. I yeah. You can't help but respect people who are like that, oh i like, yeah. oh, you are so strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Uh-
2: Thank you for joining us this month. We will see you next month where we're trying to get Keezy on. Keezy Young, who does uh, Yellow Hearts, to try to talk about making a cereal. Oh, she's so good. If you
0: haven't read Yellow Hearts, go read Yellow Hearts. Absolutely read Please so read hearts. it. It's really good. It is great. Uh, We've had
2: so many technical problems, but we're going to get her on Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> soon. I'm excited to just sit and talk with her like yeah. in real life, so that'll be good. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Bye.